Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. If you've been listening to me for a while, then you know I have never been to Dinosaur. You might ask yourself, what is Dinosaur? Well, let me tell you. It is a weekend in Palm Springs that happens every year, and it's a bunch of queer women all in Palm Springs. It, to me, seems both exciting but also terrifying, namely because I am so anxious. I couldn't afford to go when I first moved to L.A., and I always felt like you had to have like a good group of friends to go with. And here's the thing. I don't, let me back up. I have a lot of lesbian friends, but I never really had like a girl group. I had tons of jobs. I was juggling that, like I was running around. And actually, quite frankly, I don't really have like a group of just insular friends. I'm friends with everybody. I have a friend over here, a friend over there, everywhere a friend, you know? And so I never went. And I regret it. I regret not going to Dinosaur in my 20s and like having a lesbian orgy. <laughs> I do. I, I regret it. But you know what? I'm happily married now. I believe my wife went once and then left. That sounds slightly familiar. But for all intents and purposes, neither of us have ever been. You also know that I'm bouge, and I'm not, like, gonna go gen pop to a lesbian music festival. I'm just not. I've, like, put in the work, and I kind of refuse to do it. So I've talked about not going to the diner for a long time. I've interviewed tons of people who have performed, who have been on the red carpet, who have gone, and it felt like I needed to speak with the founder and creator of Dinosaur, and that is Mariah Hansen, who is a fucking legend. We're both from Marin. We're going to get into it. We cover how the event came to be, the first ever event, which honestly feels a little bit more speed than perhaps what it has morphed into. But regardless of anything, it's pretty damn impressive that, you know, she and her team have managed to create a major, major multi-day event for 30-plus years for queer women. You know, obviously, there's Pride all over the world every June. Major, major money goes into Pride and has for quite some time. But that's not focused on queer women. And I think in our community, gay men, you know, have really been able to forge a lot of major events, but also a lot of revenue out of Pride, which is great. I want the queers to win. But I also think that there is a space for queer women that needs to remain our space because it is, it's just, it's different. So yeah, shit, I went all the way straight to the top and interviewed Mariah. Your eyes and your shirt and your tree and your background look beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. It looks great. Are you in Sonoma now or are you down here? I'm in Sonoma now. Well, my best friend in the world, who's also like my spiritual soul sister, painted that painting. Isn't it cool? Oh, I really like it. Oh, 
the vase, everything, everything looks great. I obviously know so much about you, which is Uh it's an impressive (laughs) background, but something that I love that I wanted to start with was that you sort of started your career, so the internet says, throwing events at Sonoma State. Is that correct? That's true. Well, sorry, you really want to go back to the beginning? Yeah, I do. Sure. It was this corner house on Maple Street in Mill Valley when I was probably seven or eight, and he just came out and he gave us all these toys. One of them was Projector, and one of them was Ken and Barbie. And I started a movie house. In Mill Valley. Doing little shadow movies with Ken and Barbie. And I charged maybe a nickel or so. <laughs> Wait, I love that. You do, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm from Marin. I didn't know that. That's awesome. I grew up in Where? Tiburon. Okay. I grew up in Tiburon. Nice. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time in Mill Valley. It's, yeah. I love it. I went to San Francisco State. You went to Sonoma State. I went to many parties at Sonoma State, but they were all my best friend in the world. He went there and I would go and visit him, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. to have fun. And they were all very like a little broy, which I wasn't totally into. So I, I wish I had yeah. gone to your party instead of the parties I went to at Sonoma State. I threw some wild parties at Sonoma State. I bet you did. It's a yeah. party school. Yeah. I think you it know. might be. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know. Which is why I only lasted there two years. And then I went to UCSB, another party school, but I was wow. very, very focused at UCSB. Oh, wow. That's real. That's, I'm surprised because that is another party school. So yeah. partying is is in your veins. Um, it's in my veins. Well, I guess we have to start with a thread line in my show now and a little bit in the last show that we tried to get you on, which was scissoring isn't a thing, which a lot of people know. I have to confess something to you, and that is that I've never been to Dinosaur, (laughs) which (laughs) no one, Rose Garcia is horrified. Everyone can't believe, I just had my friend Eden who performed at Dinah, I, I can't, I think kind of like 2012, she might have done it as Eden XO, or I don't know if she was performing as oh, Jesse yeah. and the Toy Boys. Yeah, she's a friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. She's horrified. I've never been, I want to go. I've always been so well, intimidated. The, intimidating you? I know, but I, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Now I've gone too long. I should have just gone when I was a chucklehead, moved to LA figured it out, slept on the floor. But now I'm like older. I'm a little bougier. I don't, I get like the crowds and then people, the pictures and then I freak out. And then anyway, but I don't know, maybe Rose Garcia will get me to dinosaur. Well, this is the year to go because we're celebrating Rose. I mean, she's such a icon and now she's an iconoclastic hero. I know. She beat cancer against a lot of odds. And I, I think it was really beautiful the support that the community just sent her way. She so. deserves it because she supports a lot of people herself. It She's does. one of my favorite, yeah. my favorite people. So you took it back to Mill Valley, Maple Street, but I want to take it back to <laughs> 1991 when the Dinah started. And yeah. actually, from what I read, the original, very chic, in a museum, yeah. martinis, that yeah. is a very Liz Cully party. Well, I think you would have liked it, Liz, except for I that have. generally the gals were not behaving. Like why? What were they up to? 
Well, you know, it's a modern museum. And so you could be looking at one of the um, studies for the Rodin thinker. Yes. They were there as well as indigenous sand sculptures. So just imagine lesbians going wild at the Palm Springs Museum and not seeing an ashtray in sight. <gasps> oh, my God. Did you yes. get fined for that? What happened? They were not happy. And then as I've told this story, so they were putting the cigarettes out in the indigenous sand sculptures that were actually artwork. Oh my God. But, and I was running around going, what would your mother say? I really did say that. What would your mother say? And then I love the story that I've told uh, a million times about the girls climbing onto the roof, which was uplit. So they definitely, you know, it was like a lit show and they were, pulling their tops up and running in a circle with these 80 year old security guards chasing them. And it was like this Keystone cop kind of merry-go-round. I love it. You know, like an old movie. It was so great. And I don't think the museum was super happy with me <laughs> after that event. I know that they rewrote their corporate benefactor program, which is how I slid in to have a party there. If you donated a certain amount of money, you were a corporate benefactor and were entitled to have a corporate cocktail party at the museum. So I signed up. I was entitled to the corporate cocktail party. And well, it was my own brand of a corporate cocktail party. And they rewrote their benefactor program so that I could never, never, ever come back. (laughs) So I guess they kicked you off that program. But now you have like keys to the city of, I mean, you're you're royalty in Palm Springs. You know, it's been a, it's been a, very synergistic relationship. Palm Springs has been really good to the Dinah. And I, I like to think that we've been really good to Palm Springs too. It's it's such a perfect city to throw that event in. We've been asked to do Dinah in other cities. And I, I just can't imagine. It's Palm Springs is perfect. What about the event has changed the most that's surprising to you? It's really exciting to see how confident and out and just comfortable with themselves. Younger people are. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing. And the other thing in line with that is LGBT musical artists that were in the closet 20 years ago, 15 years ago, or if they were not in the closet, they did not want to get attached to LGBT events because they don't want to get pigeonholed. And now it's so easy to book LGBT, QIA artists. So I love that part of it too, because there were times when I would do calls out to some of our more famous artists and they would never play the event. Eventually some of them did, but it took ask after ask after ask. And now I've like this plethora of artists to choose from. And that's really exciting to me because I think it's saying a lot about where we've come as a community, but also that the paradigm in the music industry has shifted. Yeah, Men don't get to tell women anymore how they have to behave in order to get famous. Well, and you've had so many major mainstream acts. Lizzo, yeah. Katy Perry, Lady Gaga. I mean, Pat Benatar. B.B. Rexa. I mean, so, you had Salt and Pepper, I remember Shaka one Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Kesha. Iggy Azalea. Iggy Azalea. So <laughs> many. SWV, yeah. which I'm kind of bummed that uh, I didn't partake in that. That that's a yeah, really that was a great one. concert. Have you ever had En Vogue? I feel like you should yes, have. Been. I have. Would, oh, good. Okay. Well, <laughs> and 
the mayor of Palm Springs at the time went up and, and sat on one of their laps on stage. It was pretty funny. Of En Vogue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like my dream. Oh, God. But you've had so many mainstream acts. And then now you've had a lot of massive queer acts. You've had Tegan and Sarah, Fletcher, like the list goes on. Is there any special requirement? Regardless, obviously, it doesn't you book people from all walks of life in terms of their sexual orientation. So that doesn't seem to be a requirement. But is there anything about an artist that you are like, you know what, this person needs to have X, Y and Z to perform at the Dinah? Well, to get on the main roster, you, you really do need to be signed and making some noise. Yeah, because we want to present to our customers a really amazing lineup that is showcasing artists that they're not going to be able to see at this level within the next couple of years. That's, that's what we try to do every year. And then we have our emerging artists contest to bring in more local LGBTQIA artists. And then this year I actually added two regional artists. So I'm going to change that a little bit going forward where it's mostly a very high profile lineup with a couple of artists that we think should be famous, but maybe don't have access to either the promotional inroads that a lot of these artists have through the deals that they've made. Maybe they don't have the right management or they're not signed with an agent, but we think they they could be famous if they were. And I think the goal there, and I'll do that. I'll start that this year is to invite industry insiders to come watch them. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It's kind of an inner program for me. It's not anything that we're advertising, but if I can help some of these artists get a lift, you know, I've been helping so many mainstream artists get a lift. Yeah. Now we're helping LGBT artists get a lift, but there's some artists that, you know, sometimes if it's really just luck of the draw, you're in the right place at the right time, you met the right manager at the right event that you almost didn't go to, who knows? So when those elements can be somewhat, um, What's the word? Not frivolous, but God, why can't I think of the word? You, you just there. It's mercurial. You don't. Yeah. You don't really know it, what is there in front of you. It's just matter of timing or luck or. Well, that's the, right the whole person. music. Yeah, I mean, Eden and I, perfect example. Someone who's performed at the Dinah. She has had. I think she said on our show, three label deal. I mean, so yeah. many deals right. toward and with I hear Nicki Minaj. Britney yeah. Spears, she did. She's had a, had some yeah. of the biggest sinks ever. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. she's like, I don't think I would ever sign with a major label again. She's been on the radio, did all the TV, like tons of stuff. But she's like, it's mm-hmm. just not worth it for me at this point because you're right. It is so luck of the draw at some point or it's really right place, right time or who has what on their roster. So I love the idea that Dinah can be a place for discovery. It can be the right place, right time, maybe. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. we're, that's what we're going to that's what we're going for is that maybe for a couple of these artists that may not get this opportunity, that this will be the right place, right time for them. If we can get them on our platform and then get the industry interested because the industry knows who we are. Yeah. And that's another very just incredible element to the Dinahs that we've built this music festival that a very male dominated industry is now really watching and going, we want our artists there. And yeah. it's also comforting to so many more women are now agents. You know, 20 years ago, I was just dealing with men and just 
it, it was really hard. And but because of the lineups that we've had year after year, and we're really picking at least one or two that are the next big thing, they're like, what is it about this festival? We want some of our emerging artists there. And so, you know, I'm going to invite them and hopefully they'll come and they'll see a Zana or a, a Kiana Key. Yeah. Because they're amazing and they're not, I don't know that they have agents, they may have managers, but you need an agent too. You need them both. Yeah. You talk about right place, right time. 1991, you throw this epic museum party during the golf tournament, which now is no longer, which sucks, or they've moved, which is yeah. a bummer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you think that the Dyna was also right place, right time? Certainly the right idea at the right time. Because, I mean, I, I didn't start the Dyna. There were parties before I got there. But I certainly saw a different way to approach it that right. was more inclusive of ownership. So I'd heard stories about how you had to have a wristband at the hotel. They were marking the group. I don't know if that's true or not. This is a story that I heard that, you know, if you were gay and you were part of that group, you had to wear the hotel wristbands that they could tell. And that's just crazy to me. So I wanted to take, a, take the risk of taking out a hotel 100%, not just 50 rooms in a 400-room hotel or 100 rooms, but... I took a smaller hotel, but I took every room and, I, and it, it was the right approach because it sold out. I had to book another hotel. And by the second year, we were booking larger hotels because we knew that we could do it. But you want everybody as much as you can under the same roof feeling safe, right. feeling like it's your world and that the hotel is catering to you. That's morphed a lot over the years. Some years, it's just like really incredible. Sometimes we get at hotels that aren't so incredible. Um, and you wouldn't know that I would because we fight really hard behind the scenes to make sure that an audience, you know, one of our attendees doesn't know what we're going through. But I can tell you, I've had some years where I just felt like crying all weekend because the hotel was making it so difficult to do yeah. our job. And and then you end the weekend and maybe I had one hotel where I had, I think, another three years on the contract. And it was like, I can't do this because they it's not about money. I mean, this is my job, but it's also my heart. And the hotel has to feel that way too. Yeah. You know, they have to embrace the community and feel committed to what we're doing because what we're doing is so powerful. I've had hotels years ago, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years. So let's say like 28 years ago, where a hotel sent out a memo to everybody and said, hey, we have this gay group in this weekend or this lesbian group in this weekend. And you don't want to work it for personal reasons, please let us know. Could you imagine that happening today? No, that's crazy. It's crazy, but stuff like that has happened. And so you just want to make sure that you're working with hotels and with the powers that be behind the hotels that, sure, I mean, they have a bottom line to think about too, but you also want to make sure that they're committed to our community and to a bigger picture of inclusivity. And yeah, well, it's always a dance every year. Yeah. I mean, I've been working in events for a long time. I started in the music industry. I know what goes into those yeah. Yeah. nights and weekends and shows. Are you ever able to have fun at Dinosaur? Yes, I you do. Are. I am. Absolutely. Because I have a really great staff. So, got it. 
my hard work is now. Right. Right. I'm like juggling. I'm the traffic controller. I'm making sure that every department head is like that we're all moving in the right direction. And I have a really incredible staff. And then by the time the weekend is here, I have a number two that pretty much is running it. And, you know, I get called in if it's a serious issue or something that was unexpected. But generally, they all know what they're doing so well that it's basically, hey, boss. I'm like, hey, guys. What's what's the most fun you've ever had at Dinosaur? Mm, gosh, I've had so many great moments. But um, I chuck a con because I have had an opportunity to not only book the next big thing, but I've also been able to book artists that I just revered when I was growing up. Right. Right? Like, I used to just wear thin that record, not CD or HF, but record <laughs> of uh, Rufus featuring Chaka Khan. I loved them. So to book Chaka Khan was a dream for me. I would have died. I'm just telling you right now. I did. And my mom was with me. She was probably about 88 at the time. And so, and my mom loved her. So that was really fun getting to meet Chaka Khan and have a picture with her, with my mom and my, you know, all my managers. It was really sweet. So I think, yeah, for one moment, it's probably that one. Yeah. Chaka Khan, Chaka Khan, you know. Who would you love to book that you haven't? I booked Pink. And then she canceled after four days and it wasn't like a contractual. It was, Hey, you know, I'd like to book her. We'll pay this much, you know, send a deal memo. And they wrote back and they said, you know, she wants to do this, which is actually binding. That's all you have to do as you know. But, um, then four days later she backed out, she was heading for, um, Justin Timberlake. So whatever year that was, Hmm. so she wasn't quite, you know, stratospherically pink, but she was like on the rise and, I would love for Pink to play it. I, I'll tell you, I, I, I would flip over Taylor Swift too. Well, yeah. And that would just be for me. <laughs> like if people didn't like her. I'd Are you like, a oh, Swifty, Mariah? I'm a Swifty. Totally. Oh. Yeah, I am. I remember a, a very well-known queer writer posting on Facebook, Taylor Swift wouldn't know a sick beat if she heard it. And <laughs> I was just like, um, She's like one of the greatest pop singer songwriters of probably, you know, the, this decade for sure. I Maybe a few more to come. I am a big Swifty. You bet. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Oh my God. I love her new uh, Antihero. It's actually, I think she wrote it for me. For you. Yes. You're I think the problem. Like, I'm the it's problem. You. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cruel Summer. I'm really into Love that. Cruel Summer. Yeah. I'm really yeah. into Cruel Summer. Are you a Swifty too? I, here's what I'll say. I'm scared. Okay. It's like saying anything about Beyonce recorded. You have to be like so careful because the beehive will come get you whether you think you're saying something positive or not. I really, appre- I think you're right. I think Taylor Swift from a songwriting perspective is probably one of the most talented pop, which I would actually say of the last like 100 years. That's a strong statement, but I actually right. really think that girl knows how to write a song. Like really any genre, I think she's incredibly talented, but I've never been one. I'm such an R&B, like, you know, I sang R&B for so long. I, you know, mm. went to music school. Like that was my thing. So an SWV, a Shaka Khan, like those are who I'm, Mary J. Blige. I love, what- I love them too. 
So I wouldn't typically go Taylor Swift, but now that Taylor Swift is so major, she literally just is the number one grossing female performer on tour. She over went over a billion dollars. Like she Beyond. kills it. I mean, she's yeah. so incredible. So yes, well, here's I am a what fan, else I love but about I'm not her a Swifty. Is that, you know, she's from Tennessee. That's a very conservative state. And she, I really like how she got to an age. She's still super young, but she did get to an age where, and maybe to a stature where she said, I can't be silent to protect my career. Yeah. I have to speak out. And when you say, what is it behind booking people? They, they definitely need to have some, some traction already, but they also need to have a backstory. And that's what I look for. I look for what have they, what, what does this artist, have they overcome a challenge? Are they representing a marginalized group? You know, I mean, body positive is, it's now this really beautiful, accepted, just outlook in life. Like we can be all shapes and sizes. That wasn't true 20 years ago. Yeah, That's work, right? That's like people being out there and going, I'm beautiful. I like me just the way I am. I don't need to buy into your anorexic ads. And, And so when people have backstories like that, where they're you know, telling a story like Jesse Reyes uh, did a beautiful video about how it called the gatekeeper, where she was saying no to the male dominated paradigm in the music industry that said, if you want to get famous, I got a couch. Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't need your couch. I'll still get famous. And that's someone who actually, if you look at things in a really big picture, she was groundbreaking. I mean, she broke a glass ceiling for everybody when she said no and then wrote that song and, and created that video and started a movement that eventually maybe didn't start it, but was part of a growing movement, you know, that that became the Me Too movement. Yeah. And now men really think twice. Yeah. I mean, as I think- some of them are just, you know, it also depends on what part of the country you're in, but but that's a wave. You can't you can't fight that. That's that's crashing down. Yeah. And and it's the wave of the collective just anguish of women's voices that said no more. Enough. I agree. What do you think the the vibe of queer female events in San Francisco is? I grew up, you know, in Marin like you. I went away to New York, I came back, and I really discovered my queerness in San Francisco. And it was tough for me because I was a debutante. I went to Comet of the Sacred Heart in San Francisco. I was around like, a, you know, I'm my family's from there. I kind of, I think people who aren't from San Francisco or or the Bay Area have this idea that it's all like hippies and whatever. And it actually can be quite conservative. And right. that was my experience growing up. So yeah. I would kind of like go to the Lex by myself and like try to get someone to hit on me, even though they'd be like, <laughs> honey, you're lost. I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, I bartended at the beauty bar, which I don't know if you remember beauty bar in yeah, the mission. I and I would walk yeah. over and I'd be like, hi, hi. Um, the only time I ever got asked out on a date at the Lexington was by a secure, like a prison guard from San Quentin. 
who had a long ponytail and she was wearing flip-flops with her jeans and we played pool and it was a time, let me tell you. But I feel like now, you know, when I go home, I don't see, like you had Cherry Bar. I mean, there's so many different restaurants and queer female specific spaces that don't seem to be there anymore. Am I totally wrong? I mean, I know you're in Sonoma riding your horses with your beautiful partner, like living your best life, but is there still a a lesbian scene in San Francisco? I don't really hang out too much like that. So I, I can't answer that, but I'll tell you what I think about this just like globally or, or okay. just yes. I think that the fact that clubs are having a hard time right now is it's the best news ever and the worst news ever. And it's the best news ever because we are the acceptance level for LGBTQIA is so much higher that you don't feel like you need to go to to some, you know, desolate part of town and sneak in through the back door like we did at Clementina's. We actually went through the alley oftentimes to get into the club. Because you want, you know, they they were trying, they were being protective. So, so that's really good news in one respect. And then it's really bad news because what we have that we need to be reminded of is our own unique culture. Yeah. And part of that culture is the process of coming out. It's like we're all from the same family. And so as we grow up and expand in the world, you know, we we embrace the globalness of it. And yet no one understands you like your family. Like no, no straight person understands what we went through coming out They They would never they just didn't do it. Yeah. So how could they relate to it? They can be compassionate or but no. And especially people who have come out in more more difficult circumstances, whether that's a family not accepting them or a family accepts them, but the city they live in doesn't, you know? So, I mean, I think it gets very complex and I think that we have a culture and I think that culture needs to be protected. And so I do think that we need to be really supportive of, of the few bars that are left, because if we're just now hanging out in mainstream venues, we're going to lose something really valuable. And that's the safety of knowing that we all have each other's back because we do. Yeah. And I think it's a different, when you go into a queer space and I would even take it a step further, a a queer female space. Mm -hmm. It's just, well, one for me, it's always anxiety provoking (laughs) because I'm like, no one's going to talk to me. Does anybody even know I'm gay? Like, I mean, but that's my own Liz Cully, like squirrel brain of an issue. But I think it's you're right. It's a it is a sacred special. It's like a handshake. You're and you don't have to go to a a mainstream bar or club or concert and kind of like be searching for a like minded person. It is a lot of things that are unspoken. It is a vibe. It is an energy. You're right. It is a Mm -hmm. shared experience that really brings people together. It's shared experience. It's it's shared pain and it's shared joy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, though I'm scared, I am so enticed by the Dinah. Because why don't I can- you come this year? I'll, okay. okay. I will come. One, I'll have nothing. This story arc of years of me doing interviews and shows and people being 
gobsmacked that I've never been. That'll come to an end. I'll That'll have to exist. document yes. the whole thing. Yes, absolutely. But what access? I mean, we have so many amazing, we have like, we have the, the lineup this year is really incredible. Lineup is incredible. Yeah. So you would have access to these people because you know people. I do know a lot of people. It is, it is a, I hate to say, it is true. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And so I do, you can, yeah. You can get access to some pretty cool interviews. I think you need to come. Oh, inter oh you want me to like work there? I was just, but I, what about me? Well, what, you can I, do both. Okay. You yeah, can do all both. Right. That would, I think it would make you feel more comfortable, Liz, to go there with a project and then see what happens. Sure. But that's the way you I, you're going to hate this, but I'm going to be very honest with you. You know what I okay. don't do? I don't do, I will not interview people on the carpet. I, and I want to tell you why. Because you I don't. Mona and you say, Mona, I, I need a little bit more the elite kind of. I'm a little fancy. I'm Condé. Not, I run entertainment at Condé. I'm a, I do red carpets myself. You, you just I tell can't Mona, do it. Yeah. You tell Mona, you know, I'm bougie. I, I am bougie. I think actually, funny that you say that, I believe Rose Garcia is one of the many people that does rag on me for how bougie I am. And it just is, but you know what? I am being forthright about it. The audience Absolutely. knows. Because yeah. I've also worked my, how many red carpets did I do? I've done that stuff. So I feel like it's a little different. I, I struggle sometimes with speaking to younger folks that, you know, went viral on the internet or do whatever, and they didn't do a lot of the leg work to get right. to the place, right? Like there's a lot of us that have really, there was a time before the internet, I was producing video, con so much content. And I really, I was an assistant. I mean, you have to like go through all the shit to really get yeah. to a certain place. And now that I'm old and tired and I don't like gen pop and I do red carpets and I have my hair and makeup team, I refuse to do some shit. And it is just, I have to be honest with you because I would, how could, could you imagine if I, if I lied? Who, no, how could you take but, me seriously? But I think that we can dial you in. So what are the things that somebody like me who's never been to Dinosaur must bring to my first Dinosaur? Hmm. Well, uh, your cool attire that makes you feel the best. Do you still have the white party? Is that a thing still? Do, but we call it the, the black and white ball. Oh, it's black and white now. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And um, so we still have that. So you can dress all in white in that, or you can dress all in black in that, or you can do a little bit of both. Uh, but we do still have that, and that's super fun. Uh, and then we have the Hollywood party, which I think you would fit right into as well. What is the Hollywood party? Just do a Hollywood theme. You know, it's just bring out your best glam self. <gasps> oh, say no more. There you go. Um, so I need I, a black and white themed outfit. I need a Hollywood attire. And then what else do I, you, what you else do I need to bring you, other than you, a sparkling attitude, which will be difficult. Exactly. But. And water. Oh, can water you bring water? Yes. You need water. Even if you're just picking it up. That's the thing that people, the mistake that people make that are what we call dinoversions. Mm -hmm. Just imagine the minute that you're there for five minutes, you'll officially be a dino-ho. I'm married now. I, you know what? I, I fucked up. I should have gone to Dinah. I'm telling no. you, with like Anna no. Goodman when I was 25 years old. I love Anna. That's hilarious. Anna's great. Anna's um, a classic. She was yeah, probably classic. 16 no. years old at the time when I was 25, but whatever. And I should have gone and I should have just been a ho, 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 ho. The pool party is intimidating though for me. Do you go to the pool party every year? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I have to. Yeah, I, you know, I'm that still, seems scary. Yeah. I don't drink during no, the day. No, it's amazing. Are you kidding? It's like it's incredible. The pool party is in, insane. I mean, I have to go to every event. I'm at every event. I just am not there. I'm not going to be there at two in the morning. Oh, you know, who can stay awake till two in the morning? My staff. Well, okay. Well, I can't. Um, let me tell you. Yeah. So the pool so party I need a, a bathing suit attire of you sorts. You need bathing suit attire. You do. The pool parties are are just inspiring because inspiring. Oh yeah, because the the vibes incredible. It is. It's not. It's not a judgy vibe. It's not a how do you look in your bathing suit vibe. It's a Oh my God, we are all here together in the sun, splashing around, listening to good music. I mean, it's actually super cool. I know it's cool. I'm just saying, here's my anxiety. I'm just, again, you know, water I think is key and clutch because I think sometimes people can't pace themselves during the day. I can't, I am now knowing at my age, I can maybe have like a glass of dry like Sancerre or maybe an Aperol spritz and I got to cut myself off because I get so drunk during the day. I don't know why. I don't understand what's happening, why it's any different than 8 p.m. to 1 p.m. But for whatever reason, pool, what? booze, it's a no-go You got to know your me. limits, Liz. I think that's brilliant. It's true. Yeah. And okay. by the way, Sancerre is one of my favorite wines paired perfectly with uh, with Chevra, uh, Goat uh cheese. Uh, yeah. Hello. I mean, yeah. listen, maybe I'll skip the Dinah. I love hang out with me in Sonoma. Exactly. Because you know yeah. what? My wife and I are going to Montana in a week. We are oh, off fun. to ride horses. And actually, you'll love this. The woman who we met last year at the ranch that we go to, who's the, one of the main horse wranglers from San Francisco, awesome lesbian, was like in the mission in the early 90s. Amazing. And we wake up at seven in the morning and we go and we ride all day. And then we come back and I drink a lot of Sancerre and I, yeah, and do it all are again. You, the next are, day. You, are you working on a cattle farm? No, we're not working on a cattle are farm. We? we are at a very bougie dude ranch in Mountain Sky, Montana, where my lovely aunt from Belvedere invites us. And we like pretend to be cowgirls. I think it sounds amazing. It is. Would, and actually you'll love yeah. this because I know you're such a horse lover. My wife is a therapist okay. and um, Christine, that's the woman who rides with us, who I just, I feel like it was kismet that we met. We did, we learned how to do all of the like energy, like pressure on pressure off with our horses. So we really yes. bonded with them. Yeah. And she led us one day. There was no, I think, I don't, remember I, maybe everybody was gone or who knows but she let us go into the corral with like 50 horses and just do energy work with all of them yeah. and let them all come to us and it was so special and wonderful and i can't wait to just be with the horses and ride and it's gonna be awesome so yes i oh, will skip it yeah. all come to sonoma i'll bring the wine i'll bring the cheese that might be more my i speed. got the horses we're good how many horses do you have i have six what i do and yeah. I just played, well, I didn't really play hooky because usually I don't do the Dinah in the summertime. I don't do it in September. I do it in April, but COVID changed all that. So I have these two annual trips that I can't not do. And one of them is going way up in the Sierras to a place called Eagle Meadows and riding for a week in just these incredible valleys and rivers and creeks and 
So I, I actually, I went off grid last week. That's amazing. And I was like, where are you? Not in cell range. But you know what's cool about that? I know we're totally diverting to horse talk, but I have to do it with you because I love it. That's all right. You can cut. What you, I, you can I'm not going to cut it. Please. <laughs> come on. No. Our, the lovely people who listen to me on a weekly basis know me by now and know that I just I do what I want at this point. But what I love about the way that we get to ride is that it's the same thing. It's really free. I mean, we uh, are so yeah. lucky. Like yep. rivers, creeks, we go, we go, we go. I mean, really... It's just amazing, and I've learned so much. I think being able to be, like, really get the understanding of how to interact and be respectful and the mutual respect. Because at first when I started writing more, I wrote as a kid, in, actually in Petaluma and Sonoma as a kid. Okay. I loved it. I yeah. did vaulting camp and, like, all this shit. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. Um, But I didn't ride for a long time because it's hard. It's like, where are you yeah. going to ride? And it's expensive yeah. and whatever. And so this experience has been awesome because I – was nervous at first. I'm like, I don't want to yank them or, you know, do this or do that. But yeah. really, I've learned, again, having that time off the saddle and like talking to your horse and showing them who's boss, but in the most kind and respectful That's way right. back and forth yeah. has just mm -hmm. been really incredible. And again, I've learned a lot from my wife in terms of behavior and whatever. And I have dogs and, or a, a dog named Ravioli who's my whole well, life. No, I, I mean, I think you're hitting uh, onto something really profound. And uh, I love that you do that. I am in a few weeks taking off again, but just for a couple of days. I'm going to go to about 8,500 feet and we're going to ride up to really just very hard to find mountain lakes. But we're also watching the Perseid meteor showers at night at 8,500 feet. Amazing. It's going to be like a 4th of July fireworks. I don't know if you partake in mushrooms, but that is what I would do. I would. I take do not partake in mushrooms, although I, man, I, everyone I know is doing ayahuasca, and then I have this really great friend who's like, "Do you microdose?" I'm like, I don't know what that is. We can help you with that. Um, <laughs> trust me, but she, I'm. She, she brought me to. She brought me up to speed. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can help you with that. I'm actually. I don't know if it's going to happen. But I might also be doing ayahuasca. And you've heard it first here. I haven't even talked about it yet on air. But I don't know if I'm – I'm scared, but I'm sort of into it. But I don't know. And we'll see if it actually happens. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I That's have a, several close friends that swear by it. Or MDMA, doing it with a licensed therapist. But obviously – you know, on the down low. Well, I've done a lot of MDMA, not with a licensed therapist in San Francisco, in like <laughs> weird, fulsome fucking music dens in my early 20s. And I haven't done it since. But yes, I'm into that. Listen, I, I'm uh, into it all. All I have for you is a no comment. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know. If yeah. I, trust me. I again, born and raised in San Francisco. I know what it was like in the '90s because I was running around all over the place, <laughs> doing wild stuff yeah, myself. So um, you are such a gem to do this. I cannot thank you enough. And maybe this is my year for Dinosaur. I think it's your year. Yeah, I love that we went from talking about <laughs> Dinosaur to horseback riding in rivers, canyons, and valleys. I mean, honestly, that's who I am. When Mariah said, let's go 
like have Sancerre and in Sonoma in the wine country and ride horses and eat cheese. I, we all know that is far more my vibe than going to a pool party in Palm Springs with thousands of lesbians. Though I am a little enticed. You heard it. I'm going to make Mona, who is her, I believe, PR strategist and works with her and who's lovely, who helped set up this interview, even though I had asked Mariah years ago to be on Scissorings and a Thing, which she absolutely said she would do. And then it didn't end up happening, which I'm so glad that I think everything happens for a reason. I think Mariah and I were meant to talk now. We were meant to talk after I've like reclaimed my cowgirlness. It all just worked out. But I think we all know. Being bouge and drinking wine and riding horses is very Liz Cully. Um, though I think maybe you heard it. She told me to tell Mona that I get the VIP treatment. Maybe I will go to Dinah Shore. If I go to Dinah Shore, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. <laughs> but I kind of can't wait. And if you go to Dinah Shore and you see me, for the love of fucking God, ask me for a photo. Even if you delete that photo right afterward, please just ask me for one so that I can um, look cool in front of all the other celebr celebrities and lesbians. okay? Do me a solid if you're listening. Don't forget, like five stars. I'll even take four stars, but I would prefer five stars uh, wherever you hear podcasts. It helps and uh, check out my Patreon if you want some videos and fun content uh, before anybody else gets it. Mm -hmm.